If my ministry funding dries up, is that God's sign that I should leave the ministry? It's a good and important question from an anonymous missionary couple. Here's what they ask. Pastor John, my wife and I are in our early 60s and have responded to the call of God. We both sensed and confirmed together in his word via Isaiah 61. We've now been on the field in the battle of human trafficking for almost three years. Our work seems effective in programs that lead to prevention while building the localized reputation of the local indigenous church. Pastors once marginalized in non-Christian villages are now sought for wisdom and guidance and viewed as important messengers. The word is being preached and heard. That's the very good part. We're donor-supported missionaries, and we use every means available from day one to remain connected with our support base, blogs, newsletters, email, prayer cards, etc. All has gone well for two years. Then in 2017, our support dropped like a rock. We cannot sustain the work we do and have never pressed for funds. We've always believed we would describe our mission and let God do the compelling. Should we respond to the lack of provision with the view that God is lifting his call for us here and now? It seems to me that there are three possible interpretations at least that these friends could put on this season of inadequate funding. And I'll mention each of them with a biblical example that's more or less applicable, I hope, and then urge them to pray with us for God's guidance. One interpretation is that this is a season of testing and not a season of ending Every ministry faces seasons of testing, sometimes pretty severe. In my own ministry, there was an extended season of about four years where there was no growth whatsoever, and it seemed as though the blessing had been removed, and I am so glad that I didn't leave during that time. Remember what God said to his people in Deuteronomy 8, Uh, Verse 2, and you shall remember the whole way that the Lord God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know nor did your fathers know that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes out of the mouth of the Lord. So in this first interpretation of what this season means is that it might mean a season of testing where God lets this precious couple who seems to be doing such an amazing work hunger for a season in order to see what is in their heart. Here's a second interpretation. This is uh, not an ending, not a testing so much as a call for adjustment in strategy. I'm thinking mainly in terms of strategy of fundraising. Many great missionaries have taken the approach of simply expressing what the ministry is rather than asking for money. But I want to stress for our friends that there's no biblical mandate for that strategy, and there's clear biblical example of forthright, honest, humble asking for financial support. 
Read especially 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. Those are perfect chapters for fundraising among Christians. Paul is clear in his straightforward, honest request that the churches give money to support the poor in Jerusalem. So it's not unbiblical or fleshly or humanistic or unbelieving to ask God's people to support God's work. So that may be, I don't know, that may be a change in strategy that God would want our friends to consider. I don't say it's required. I just say it's permitted um, though it's not exactly a one-to-one correspondence, clearly not. Here's an example of a change in s- strategy. Paul tries to go into Phrygia and, and Galatia, and here's what it says. They went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come up to Mycenae, they attempted to go into Bithynia, But the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mycenae, they went down to Troas. That's Acts 16, 6 through 8. And and the point is simply, Paul himself planned two or three specific avenues of ministry that he expected God to bless, and God said no. Uh, He turned him back from that, and so there had to be a change in strategy for Paul when he discerned God God wasn't going to prosper that particular avenue. Here's the the last possibility of what, what this season might mean. It might mean the ending of this form of ministry for them. Um, While it's not an exact parallel, uh, Jesus sent out his disciples and he said, and wherever they do not receive you, when you leave that town, shake off the dust from your feet as a testimony against them, Luke 9, 5. In other words, there is a time when you leave a work and move on to another town. Now, of course, don't it all mean to say these situations are the same because Our friends clearly are involved not in being rejected by a town, but having a fruitful ministry. And so in that sense, they're not similar at all. But I'm simply drawing attention to the fact that those folks went into that town with the full intention of doing fruitful ministry. And lo and behold, they have to ski-daddle because things aren't going well for them. And and God says, no, don't, don't stay. It's okay. You can change your strategy here. You can move on and let that ministry in that town for a season stop. So that's the point I'm making. It may be that there are stoppings that have to be considered. And I would simply say that that interpretation of ending, you should be very, very slow to take up and conclude that's what God is doing I I think we should always think of a change in ministry rather than an end of a ministry. In other words, if God is in fact saying that was a great season, that ministry is over, he's not calling them to go home and vegetate on their couch watching nice videos. He's calling them to do something else really significant with their lives. And that call should, I think, confirm the ending of the ministry, if that's the case, which I hope will be a a last resort and that God 
would show them a way to stay the course in what they're doing. So let me just close with this practical suggestion. Meditate on Psalm 25. It is a precious psalm of guidance and may speak directly to your hearts, especially verses 8 and 9. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way. That's verses 8 and 9. And I pray, and I will pray with you, that he will make your way clear. Amen. Thank you, Pastor John, for diving into a circumstance like this one with biblical clarity. Appreciate that. Well, over at our online home, you can explore all 1,250 of our episodes. You can scan a list of our most popular ones, read full transcripts, and send us a question of your own. Go to desiringgod.org forward slash John. And to get new episodes delivered to you three times per week, subscribe to the Ask Pastor John podcast in your favorite podcast app. Well, digital pornography is ubiquitous. So how do we prepare our sons and daughters to win the war against the porn culture all around them? It's a great question from a mom, and it's how we end the week on Friday. I'm your host, Tony Ranke. We'll see you then.